ready to talk fantasy football? Then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Burke. And good evening and welcome back to the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Burke. For the evening, Mike Randall is on assignment. That's like what we like to say here in the biz anyway. Mike Randall, unavailable tonight. Scott Burke going to go solo with you here on the podcast tonight. You can follow me at SCOT557. You can follow Mike Randall at Randall Rant, and you can follow the pod at PUT Blitz. Well, it's like Christmas has come here in August. The preseason, the first week of preseason, is officially underway. Football is here. There will be no more Sundays without NFL football. We are officially underway. We had the Hall of Fame game last week between the Ravens and the Bears in Canton, and we got a full slate of 12 games going right now in the NFL season uh, preseason week one or underway as we speak. Games going. Rookies playing, teams scoring some points, fantasy owners looking at those sleepers, looking at these guys that they're hoping are going to make an impact on their fantasy teams this year and, uh, you know, full, fully underway, ready to go. We'll touch base on those in the fourth quarter, give you a couple of guys that maybe have stood out tonight so far, had a good night, made a good first impression, maybe some that haven't made a good first impression. But we'll definitely get to that. Probably in the fourth quarter, we'll talk a little bit about the preseason games going on. Like I said, 12 tonight, 10 underway as we record, two more set to go later on. The West Coast there with Dallas and San Francisco and Indianapolis and Seattle. The late night games in the preseason slate. So as we get ready to roll here again, Scott Burke going solo with you tonight. Mike Randall will be back with us on the next episode. We'll be paired up, ready to rock and roll. And we'll get right into a first quarter news and notes. And let's do it right now. The Athletics' Jeff Zerbiak believes Kenneth Dixon is on the roster bubble. Dixon was expected to compete for the number two job behind Alex Collins, but he missed several practices with a hamstring injury and left practice early on Tuesday with another health issue. The Ravens do not have much behind Collins and Buck Allen, so it would be a surprise if Dixon was actually cut, but still he needs to get healthy. What does this mean for the Ravens' run game? Listen, Alex Collins is the number one guy. He'll be the number one guy out of the gate here for the Ravens. He did enough last year to where he deserves that shot. Ravens are high on Kenneth Dixon. They had been high on Kenneth Dixon for a little while, Problem here is that he can't stay healthy, and if he can stay healthy and he's able to put something together here in the preseason, he can avoid himself maybe losing his roster spot and being possibly a factor down the road should Alex Collins uh, you know, not be able to handle the work, full workload. They do like Buck Allen. You know, I look at it right now as being an Alex Collins, Buck Allen, 1-2. Collins get the first and second down. Look for Buck Allen get some action on third down and be the third down back. But if Kenneth Dixon can get healthy, Get some reps out in the preseason in these games and show that he's able to, you know, you know, be a factor for the Ravens offense, then maybe he'll be able to stay there and make some sort of impact down the road. But right now what it means is Alex Collins is number one, Buck Allen is number two, and you can draft the Raven running backs accordingly that accordingly that way. D.D. Westbrook said he feels, quote, more comfortable in the offense this year. He was a fourth round pick last year. Westbrook was struggling to learn the playbook even before a core muscle injury sent him to the sidelines. During training camp, now healthy and coming off a full offseason, Westbrook has consistently made plays in camp, and he could push for a starting job during the preseason. He's definitely someone you could target late in the 14th round, which is absolutely true. 14th, 15th round in your draft, depending on how many rounds you got. D.D. Westbrook, definitely someone you could look at. I mean, the Jaguars brought in a Dante Moncrief, signed him to a nice deal in the offseason to be a member of that offense. Marquise Lee is still there. Keelan Cole showed a lot of flashes down the stretch and in the postseason. You got Leonard Fournette. 
You got the running back score, Grant T.J. Yeldon, going to back him up. You brought in Austin Safarian Jenkins to be a tight end. So there's some, there, there's definitely some talent in that offensive uh, you know system that they have in Jacksonville, and D.D. Westbrook could be a part of that if he can you know be comfortable in this offense. He can definitely f- fight to to get some action there in, in the wide receiver category yeah, for fourteenth round. He's definitely someone you can look at worth a flyer. I mean, Keelan Cole was very impressive, and I like Keelan Cole coming out of camp right now, I and mean, we're still very early in the preseason. But if I'm looking at somebody from the Jacksonville wide receiver core, Keelan Cole is somebody I'm going to target. Um, I'm like, I like where he's being drafted at the moment. It's someone that you can definitely work with. It's definitely a good dynasty uh, stash as well, a dynasty player to look at as well as Keelan Cole. Dante Moncrief, you know, he's been around for a couple of years now with the Colts, never really got things going, was way too inconsistent in Indianapolis with Andrew Luck and then Jacoby Brissett as well as a slew of other quarterbacks that played during Luck's injuries. So Moncrief, you know, he's got some ability, he's got some talent. The matter matter is, can he really put it all together and be a factor in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles and the Jags? Again, we've seen flashes from Marquis Lee, but we haven't seen it on a consistent basis, so... There's definitely room for D.D. Westbrook to get involved. We saw a little bit last year. He's got some talent. So if he can get on the same page as the rest of the offense and you know take that next step, definitely someone worth looking for in the late-round pick there and uh, looking for maybe a streaming replacement or if injuries happen, someone you can plug and play there. Chargers coach Anthony Lynn told ESPN's Dan Graziano he wants to use Melvin Gordon more in the passing game. Somewhere right now I can hear my partner doing the tango doing the cha-cha because this is his boy he loves melvin gordon you know it. if you've been listening to this show for the past year plus you understand that mike randall is a big melvin gordon guy and listen melvin gordon's a very good player i like melvin gordon problem that i have with him is that his yards per carry are always low but he is a touchdown machine he's the only game in town right now with the chargers I mean, you can talk about Eckler, you can talk about justin jackson who maybe can make an impact down the road but right now this is melvin gordon's show so melvin gordon had 58 catches last year, 93 targets, so he was definitely involved in the offense more in the passing game, and now Anthony wants to get him even more involved. This is great news if you're a Melvin Gordon owner, a Melvin Gordon supporter. Definitely someone you're going to look for and grab. He's an RB1, and if he can increase his pass-catching ability, he's even a bigger and more solid RB1. And let's stick with ESPN's Dan Graziano. He does not believe Jarek McKinnon will be, quote, a bell cow running back. This is interesting because Derek McKinnon got a ton of money from the 49ers, and he is climbing up the board rapidly. He has been climbing up the board in all different drafts uh, for your fantasy football owners. They are really jumping on the Derek McKinnon bandwagon. We've seen some flashes of him with the Vikings. He's been able to run a little bit, but he's been great out of the backfield catching passes. And you know the, the thought process here was that going to San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, he would take on that Devontae Freeman role that he was uh, with the Falcons, that Shannon had with Freeman and the Falcons, and he'd bring that here into San Francisco. So Derek McKinnon right now going as your RB12. He's 22nd overall when you look at uh, Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings right now, or ADP, so you're taking him late second round. Uh, so you're, you're drafting Derek McKinnon here right now at a late second round as the RB12 with hopes that he is going to be the bell cow back. Um, McKinnon has earned nothing but praise since signing a four-year, $30 million contract in March, but Graziano cautions his workload might not be as large as some expect. Matt Brieta should have a role in this offense too, Graziano writes, and don't be surprised if there are weeks when Brieta is the early down guy and outscores McKinnon even in PPR leagues. We'd still expect McKinnon to be the clear lead back, but it's worth noting he has never had more than 202 touches in a season and struggled as a runner the last two years. 
His upside is quote undeniable, but he is a bit of a risky pick at the end of the second round. Listen, I get it. You know, I'm a McKinnon supporter. I think this is a good spot for him to go to in San Francisco. Young quarterback, a young talented quarterback. He got a young wide receiver, Marquise Goodwin. You got young players and tight ends. And then you got Pierre Garçon, the veteran wide receiver to anchor that, that offense as well. It's a good spot for him. The system should fit him well. And he should be able to make an impact for fantasy owners and for the 49ers. Listen, I mean, he's being drafted late round two. Is he maybe being a little overvalued? It's possible. I mean, he's being drafted ahead of Devontae Freeman, the guy that many people think he's going to mimic or play a role similar to in, in the 49er offense. Maybe I would lean Freeman over McKinnon. It's very possible. He's being taken right behind a Christian McCaffrey who Ron Rivera wants to get over 300 touches. I think it's a little tough to, to take there in Carolina that he'll get over 300 touches, but we'll see. But Rick McKinnon's in a very good spot. He's got a nice, clean slate to work with. He's going to get a first crack at being a true number one back. And I'm excited to see what he can do with it. I like Jarek McKinnon, especially in PPR leagues. I think it's definitely someone you could target. Could he be a little overvalued? It's very possible. But still, I think McKinnon will be all right in San Francisco. Second round pick, Ronald Jones has struggled in pass protection early in training camp. The Tampa Bay Times also says Jones, quote, hands need to get softer, a deficiency that isn't necessarily easy to overcome. Jones was used sparingly as a receiver in both high school and college and caught only 32 passes in 40 games at USC. He was also inconsistent in blitz pickup on college tape. Beat writer Rick Stroud says Peyton Barber remains the Bucks' nominal starter entering preseason games. Jones should still get every opportunity to pass him in August. Listen, this is one of those situations in Tampa Bay where I mean, I think consensus tells you or people think that Ronald Jones being drafted, the young rookie, is, is going to get first crack to be the number one back here. But let's not forget the Bucks do like Peyton Barber. He's sticking around. He, he's going to be with them for, for the foreseeable future. So Peyton Barber is going to be a little bit of a thorn in the side of Ronald Jones. And if Ronald Jones shows some inconsistencies, during training camp, then it's going to open the door for Peyton Barber to get a little action here and maybe take some touches away from the young rookie. Personally, in this dynasty startup that we're doing, myself, Randall, some of the listeners, and a couple of the guys that we know, you know, I took Ronald Jones, and then I made sure I handcuffed him with a Peyton Barber because, you know, a Peyton Barber's young enough to where if Ronald Jones falters and he can go ahead and he and he's able to pick up the slack, he's worth stashing and, you know, handcuffing and having that pair of running backs. So Peyton Barber is definitely someone who can definitely cut into uh, Ronald Jones's activity and his production. I mean, right now, you know, he's got an ADP of 183, Peyton Barber. So, I mean, for the most part, he's not even being drafted unless you're of the ilk of myself and Randall, where if you get the opportunity to handcuff yourself and cover yourself with a, with a running back, you go ahead and take it. He had 108 carries last year, averaged just about four yards a carry to Peyton Barber, scored three touchdowns in limited action. Charles Sims is there as well. You know they like him on third down, but if Ronald Jones has any trouble, Peyton Barber could be a little bit of a monkey wrench into the Jones uh, train, per se, here in uh, fantasy football. So just keep an eye on that. If he struggles in pass protection early, they may go to a reliable person in Peyton Barber instead. So that's, that's a situation worth noting. Now, Ronald Jones still got plenty of upside in the, in the Tampa Bay offense that should be explosive. Jameis Winston, we know, will be suspended for a little bit, but there's tons of playmakers there at the wide receiver position. You got the two tight ends, Cameron Braid, O.J. Howard as well, and then you got the young pair and running backs here in Barber 
and Jones, along with the veteran Charles Sims, who we'll see on third down. So worth monitoring Ronald Jones. If he can pick up the protection a little bit better, they'll get more confidence in him and give him more opportunities in the preseason, and which would hopefully lead it to more opportunities in the regular season. And finally, ESPN's John Kimes considers Samaje P. Ryan, quote, the odd man out in the Redskins' backfield. It looks like right now P. Ryan and Rob Kelly are both competing for one spot. The Redskins plan to keep four running backs, but they either want to keep Byron Marshall or Capri Bibbs on as insurance for Chris Thompson. We're saying Chris Thompson probably not going to be ready till late October, early November. Marshall and Bibbs give, give the Redskins that similar type of back that Thompson offers, the ability to catch passes out of the backfield, be a key contributor on third down. So they're going to most likely be locked in as one of those running backs. Therefore, it leaves P. Ryan and Kelly fighting for one spot. And your logic would tell you that P. Ryan probably offers more trade value than a guy that Rob Kelly does. So this is worth noting as well. Monitoring a situation of guys is only second year, second year for P. Ryan. Got a little bit of a taste last year. We weren't overly impressed with what we saw. But he was still very talented in college and may have a chance to latch on with another team. And maybe a team that's looking for running back help or struggling in a position come injuries or something like that. You know, P. Ryan can be a uh, contributing factor and a positive fa- uh, contributor for a team looking to make a move at the running back position. So watch that situation. I mean, right now in the Redskins, him and Rob Kelly pretty much have really no value at all. You know, Darius Geis obviously going to be the lead guy. Chris Thompson, when he comes back, will be the third down back. And in the interim, it looks like Marshall or Bibbs will be the guy to provide the third down blow for Darius Geis. So right now, P. Ryan and Kelly, no value. P. Ryan, if moved, can offer some value down the road, possibly for another team. So that's our news and notes for quarter one as we'll get ready to move into quarter two on the podcast tonight. All right, that's the whistle coming in as we get ready to go to quarter two here. And in quarter two, we're going to talk about an article that the, the guys, the great guys at Fantasy Pros put out earlier today. It's a uh, article discussing 12 players that got some hype in the, in the offseason, whether or not via trade, via draft, new team, whatever situation it might be, breaking down whether or not they're worth a buy or a sell their current ADP. You know, this situation, like an article like this kind of works better sometimes when you got a partner on the show, but I'm going to roll with it yourself. I'll give you what I think on the buy or sell part. We'll talk about the player a little bit and see where we go. So nice piece put out by the Fantasy Pro staff. They talked to a bunch of the guys and they discussed it. So we'll start this 12 guys here, quote, Hype players that you either want to buy or sell. And number one is Evan Ingram. And I think if you've listened to this podcast for the past couple weeks or throughout the season, you know myself, I won't speak for Mike, but for me, my Evan Ingram for me is going to be a sell candidate. And I just think there is too much going on in the giant offense right now. Um, if Eli Manning is going to take the next step and come back to what he's been the past, you know, not maybe necessarily the past few years, but get to an Eli Manning of five, six years ago when he was putting up solid numbers. The turnovers are always still high, but when he had weapons, he was putting up consistent numbers in the touchdown and yardage category. If he's going to get to that, then there's a lot of mouths to feed. He's really going to have to try and spread the ball around. You know, you got a healthy Odell Beckham coming back. We don't know what the contract situation is going to be like for Beckham. So he's playing for a contract possibly if he doesn't get a new one before the season start. You got a healthy Sterling Shepard, you got Saquon Barkley, who looked very good tonight, especially on his first run from scrimmage in the preseason game, busted one off for 40 yards on the first play of the game. So he got Giant fans pumped up as well as fantasy owners. And then you got, you know, other backs in there, Jonathan Stewart, you got Rain Gallman, some some deep running backs to give some to give Barkley a blow and maybe catch some passes out of the backfield as well. So if you think the Giant offense is going to click and Barkley's going to be good and Shepard's going to be good. 
And Beckham's going to be good. Someone's got to take a step back. And for me, I think it's just going to be an Evan Ingram. I'm not saying he's going to have a bad year. I just think it would be a little bit of a step back from what we saw last year. You know, he had 115 targets in his rookie season. And now Beckham and Barkley are going to come back to take some of those away. Shepard there as well. His catch rate was only 55.7, which would have to be improved if he's going to make the, you know, the next step forward. Currently being drafted as a tight end five, late fifth, early sixth round. I'd probably look for some other options there. I'd probably maybe sit back and wait on the Kyle Rudolph a little bit later on in the draft and maybe go that way. So for me, tight end Evan Ingram of the Giants as a tight end five, late fifth, early sixth round. He is a sell candidate for me right now. I will pass on Evan Ingram at that current ADP. Next guy on the docket, Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback, San Francisco 49ers. We saw a lot of flashes last year for First, Jimmy G, as he was 6-0 for San Francisco, and looked great in the Shanahan offense. But the situation for him now is he's going as a quarterback nine. Going to start the year fresh as the number one guy. He's being drafted seventh, eighth round uh, in fantasy drafts. So that's where you're looking at him. You know, right in that 84 to 90th overall category. For me, Jimmy Garoppolo is a buy. I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm a big fan of what they got going on in San Francisco. I like, like I said earlier, I like McKinnon in the backfield. I'm a big Marquise Goodwin guy this year. I think he's really going to be a sleeper wide receiver. I liked what they saw with him and Garoppolo last year, so I think that's a good combination. Pierre Garçon comes back healthy. You got Kittle at the tight end position. You even got the veteran in Garrett Sell, who every once in a while pops with a decent game. Matt Breida, there's some, there's some weapons in this offense, and I think Garoppolo has a chance to move forward. He looked really good. I know a lot of times we tend to overhype these guys when we see them in a short sample size. But for me, I think Garoppolo is the real deal. It's a great situation to go to. And that division now with Seattle taking a step backwards, Arizona's quarterback situation with the Bradford or Rosen, it kind of influx. And then you got the Rams. So we could start to see, you know, a little bit of a Rams Niners rivalry kind of get going again in that, in that AFC West with the Seahawks maybe taking a step back. Yeah. Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo. Could be some battles that we see down the road for years to come. So with Garoppolo going as a QB9 right now in the 7th, 8th round, late 7th, early 8th, the guy I like, I would target if you're there. I mean, I'm a wait on a quarterback guy, you know, so I'm not going to be out there taking the Aaron Rodgers of the world or the Tom Brady's. Probably wouldn't even take the Deshaun Watson, even though I am a Watson guy. So if I'm going to sit back and wait and my team has been able to, if I've been able to assemble my team the way I'd hope to do so in that first six or seven rounds and Garoppolo is there, He's a guy I would target at that spot. And if I missed out on him, so be it. I'll wait back, sit back for one of the other quarterbacks that you can get a little deeper on in the draft. But for me, Jimmy G, as the seventh, late seventh, early eighth round, he's a buy for me, Jimmy Garoppolo. Number three, I'm going to go through and talk about him real quick because you guys already know how I feel. That's Derrick Henry, RB19. He's going late, late third early to mid fourth round he's the rb19 this is a buy candidate for me i'm a big derrick henry guy so is my partner the guy's 6'3 247 and they did pay Deion lewis over 20 million dollars to join the team but to me Deion lewis is going to be there to give derrick henry a blow henry has to be the guy to carry the rock out of the gate for this titans team the offensive line has improved you got a healthy marcus mariota they like Corey davis we know what delaney walker is richard matthews is hurt right now but if he were to come back he can be another threat on the outside and they also got you know other guys like a taiwan taylor and so forth so i like derrick henry i like his style i like his power i like how successful they've been when he's gotten more than 10 or 11 touches which i touched about you know a couple weeks ago in the article i wrote about him and Deion Lewis being that thunder-lightning combo in a Tennessee Titans backfield. So right now with him going as the RB19, he's going late third, early to mid fourth. He's definitely on my radar. Derrick Henry is a buy candidate for sure. 
Next one, Tyreek Hill, wide receiver of the Chiefs. And I went back and forth on this one for a little bit because for a while there really was not a Tyreek Hill guy, but I've started to come around a little bit to the fact that he does bring a different type of element to the offense in with the Chiefs. And I think the way Alex Smith handled that offense, you know, kind of the safe route, every once in a while look for those big plays, really benefited Tyreek Hill. And we saw some numbers that Tyreek Hill put up, and he was a real big factor in PPR leagues. Right now, going as a wide receiver 12, mid to third round. I struggled with this because of the, the unknown that's Pat Mahomes. I mean, Pat Mahomes, we know, has got the big arm. We've heard there's been a lot of turnovers in training camp. Andy Reid's not concerned about that. But still, you got to be worried about a guy who's getting his first crack to run this offense as a quarterback. And he's been in the league for now. This will be his second year. So you got to hope that he understands the playbook and he'll be able to grow and not necessarily have those rookie mistakes even though technically he's a, he's a rookie in this league. So Tyreek Hill, this was a tough one. Sammy Watkins is brought in from the Rams. You got Travis Kelsey there. You got a pass catching back in Kareem Hunt. And even his backups in Spencer Ware or Sharkandrick West, both of them, if they were to get in, are also backs that are going to be pass catching backs because we've seen both of them in the past have decent seasons. Where before he got hurt, Sharkandrick West had a nice cup of coffee a couple years ago, showed that he could play in this league. So the running back situation, they're deep, three deep with guys that can all catch passes, which can only take away from some of the other targets. You know, Sammy Watkins brought in to be on the outside. Travis Kelsey, we know the consistency that Kelsey brings. So Tyreek Hill at this position, I'm going to sell Tyreek Hill. It was tight. It was close. I just don't think I would go be the guy to draft Tyreek Hill middle of the third round. I'll probably pass on him and go another route. So for Tyreek Hill, for me, he's a sell in middle of the third round. And let's talk about the guy they just brought in. That's Sammy Watkins, wide receiver 30. He's going mid to late sixth round, and this is also a sell for me. Sammy Watkins has had a ton of talent. He's a very talented wide receiver, but he's just never been able to put it all together, whether it was in Buffalo or whether it was in L.A. with the Rams where they were had that offense clicking on all cylinders. They, they looked really good, did, did the Rams last year in that offense, and so Watkins had some trouble, you know, being a consistent contributor for it. And let's not take away from the fact that both Watkins and Hill now get the worst, the hardest schedule for fantasy wide receivers, according to Fantasy Pro. So they're the 32nd toughest schedule. So it's the last, the hardest schedule to face for wide receivers in the fantasy world. So this is something you got to be concerned with. You know, also concerned with catch rates. 70 targets last year through 15 games, only had 39 catches. Did score eight touchdowns. Can he be a red zone threat? It's possible. But you look at these last four years, there's been some injuries with time in Buffalo. Uh, but over the past four years, he's played 52 games. He hasn't passed more than 65 catches. And if you go back to that 65 catch year in 2014, he had 128 targets. So that catch rate was barely 50% if it was. And he didn't couldn't crack 1,000 yards. Touchdown numbers, 25 over four years. It's not terrible. You're looking at six a year. So again, could be someone that could maybe grab a couple balls inside the 20, make a couple plays in the end zone. But when you're looking at PPR leagues and you got Kelsey, you got him going to fight with Hill, and you got the backs that can catch passes, I look at Sammy Watkins and you look at him in the mid to late sixth round, it's definitely a hard pass on me, so I'm going to sell Sammy Watkins. Let's go to Zach Ertz, tight end, Philadelphia Eagles. You guys know how I feel about Zach Ertz. This will be quick and short. He's my number one tight end on, on the season this year. Him, Travis Kelsey, guys that you could look look at to possibly surpass Rob Gronkowski. But for me, Ertz is a guy you're going to use. And yes, I know Dallas Goddard, for the guys listening right now, lighting it up tonight in his preseason game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has a couple touchdowns, I believe, at least one, a couple big yardage plays. 
So for me, uh, you know, I'm still an Ertz guy. Goddard's young. He'll make he'll make an impression. He'll take some targets away, kind of like Trey Burton did. But overall, give me Zach Ertz. I'll work with him as possibly being my number one tight end. He's being drafted late third, early fourth round. So here's the deal. If I if I miss on a Zach Ertz, then I'll wait a little while, and I'll go to a guy like a Kyle Rudolph, like I said earlier when we were talking about Evan Ingram. I even sit back on a Jack Doyle, who I'm a fan of. I know people think Eric Ebron's going to go in there and take some targets away, but I'll stick with Jack Doyle and a healthy Andrew Luck over you know a guy like Evan Ingram. But if I miss out on Ertz, I'll go Rudolph Doyle along that 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 route. But I would be looking for Zach Ertz. It would be a guy that I'd be looking for. You know, I'll be targeting him. And we'll take a look for me. If he's around late third, early fourth, and I'm in a prime spot to grab him, I will. Keenan Allen, Chargers wide receiver. He's going as the wide receiver six right now for fantasy football owners and PPR leagues. Early to mid-second round. And this is a buy. Keenan Allen is the number one guy in with the Chargers in L.A., Hunter Henry's gone. He's out for the year with an injury. Antonio Gates no longer on the squad. You got question marks with Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin. Can these guys step up and take some of those targets that were in Antonio Gates' way, Hunter Henry's way, and make up for the difference? I'm not 100% sold that they can. I'd like to see Mike Williams get the crack at it and be the guy to to, to step up and be the number two alongside Keenan Allen. But Keenan Allen's going to be a target hog. He's going to be looked at every down. Early, often, late, it does not matter. Wide receiver six, early to mid-second round. Keenan Allen, 100% he's a buy. Buy him all day long. Rex Burkhead, my partner's favorite player, probably the next jersey that he buys. RB31, mid to late seventh round. Here's the deal. The Sony Michelle injury changes people's perspective on Rex Burkhead. I like James White. I think James White's going to be a contributing factor to this offense for the Patriots. But now, you have to consider Burkhead. Gillisley's there. Jeremy Hill is there. Maybe they get a chance to get some of these goal line carries, but it's going to be Burkhead out of the gate. With no Michelle, if he's hurt now for an extended period of time, Burkhead at an RB31 mid to late seventh round. It still may be a bit of a reach for me, but if he's there and this team is that I'm drafting in certain leagues or whatever league I'm in is taking shape the way I hoped it would, if he's available to me, I will take him and I'll buy him in the seventh round. I know my partner's got to be, you know, what? What are you talking about? You've been down on Burkhead all this time. I, I have been, but again, if you take away one of these guys out of that backfield, and Michelle, who we expected to get some touches, Jeremy Hill has had tough time when he was in Cincinnati the past couple of years. Now he's going to go into this offense. It's crowded with Gillisley and so forth, as well as other guys that are looking to get some some time. James White, Rex Burkhead will be your guys. It's a bit of a stretch for me still in the seventh round, but if he's there and the team works out well, you can feel confident in drafting Rex Burkhead, so buy him in round seven. Alex Smith, now the quarterback of the Washington Redskins, leaves Kansas City as a QB 20, 10th to 11th round. This would not be one of the quarterbacks I'd sit back and wait on. He's had some very good years in Kansas City. I'm not sure that's going to translate to very good years in Washington. He may be good, and he may have a couple good fantasy games, but it's just a different animal in Washington. Things always get a little wacky with the with the Redskins and, and moves that they make. So for me, Alex Smith as a QB twenty. I'd rather go elsewhere, look for other options that you may be able to find in that in that position. Uh, you know, when you're drafting a quarterback, if you're like me and you like to sit back and wait, then you know I probably sit back and wait on a guy. I don't know. I mean, it, I I probably would have drafted my quarterback already. You know, looking at Alex Smith, I'd probably take a I'll take a Philip Rivers over Alex Smith. 
That's for sure. Every day, twice on Sunday, I'll take Philip Rivers ahead of Alex Smith. I take Jared Goff ahead of Alex Smith. I'll take Matt Ryan ahead of Alex Smith. I would take Derek Carr ahead of Alex Smith, Marcus Mariota ahead of Alex Smith. I'd even maybe tandem up the Tyrod Taylors and Baker Mayfields. I know that's crazy, but I would. Just not an Alex Smith guy, and I think this situation in Washington not going to be the most ideal for him. So as a QB 20, 10th, 11th round, sell Alex Smith. Number 10, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver 13, middle to late third round, buy. Just buy. This offense should be very good with Kirk Cousins at, at the helm. You got Adam Thielen. You got a returning Dalvin Cook. Kyle Rudolph is there. We know Cousins likes his tight ends, hence why I like Kyle Rudolph. But Stephon Diggs is a very, very talented wide receiver. He's going as a wide receiver 13. So when you look at some of the guys that are going going around him when you're drafted right now in, in ADP situations and where they're ranked, let's just look at some guys. T.Y. Hilton's 12th. His Partner Thielen is 11, which I think is a mistake. Diggs should be ahead of Thielen. I'll take Diggs over Tyreek Hill. I will take Diggs over Mike Evans. Right behind him, Doug Baldwin, Amari Cooper, Larry Fitzgerald, Juju Smith-Schuster. That's the area you're looking at. Diggs consistent now. Nice season last year. I think he puts it all together. He gets an upgraded quarterback. No no disrespect to what Case Keenum did last year for the Vikings. But this is a great situation for Diggs to be in. Middle, late third round by Stephon Diggs. On the contrary, sell Corey Davis. Wide receiver, 26, early to mid, sixth round. It's just too soon for me. I'm not saying he doesn't have talent. I'm not saying he's not going to be able to make plays. I'm just not going to reach in the sixth round for Corey Davis. I'm more likely to take a Will Fuller, a Michael Crabtree. I'll even take a Cooper Cup, maybe even lean Randall Cobb's way just because of the talent that Aaron Rodgers brings. Marquise Goodwin's my guy as well. You know that as well. I just think... Taking Corey Davis here, it was limited what we saw last year. He's talented. The Titans love him. Mariota loves him. The you know the Titan fans love the kid, and I'm sure he's going to be a very productive wide receiver. Dynasty, all for it. Listen, he dropped me in the seventh round in Dynasty, seven point one zero. It's where I got him at Dynasty all day. I'll take him in that spot. Redraft, I'm going to sit and wait a little bit. I'll pass on him at that early to mid sixth rounds uh, ADP where he's currently at now. Finally, Naeem Hines, RB48, 14th round, buy him. This is, a, this is worth a late-round flyer here, late-round stash, because that Colt backfield, we don't know how it's going to turn out. We expect Mack to be the lead guy, get first and second down carries, and then we expect Naeem Hines to be that third down back. But in an offense that's clicking, if, Aaron, if Al, um, Andrew Luck is healthy and going at top speed and his arm is on par and they're making plays and connections, Naeem Hines could be a lethal weapon on third down in passing situations and PPR leagues. So for RB48, 14th round, buy him all day long because it's not going to hurt you. You can stash him. He turns out to be something, so be it. If not, you really didn't miss out on much late in that round. So Naeem Hines, very interesting as a 14th, 15th round, almost last pick of your draft kind of guy. Take a look at him. Buy him. See how that Colt backfield shapes up as we get ready to head into quarter number three. All right, guys, we're back for quarter number three. Halftime is over. Uh, quarter three, just want to talk to you about an article I just put out for the score, crowsports.com. Good group of guys that I'm writing with, along with Last Word on profootball.com. Put a profile piece out on Carson Wentz, just kind of discussing his comeback here from the torn ACL and what, what we could expect for the Eagles quarterback, who was definitely in the MVP talk last year up until that week 14 injury. So 
you know, for those of you who may have forgotten how good he was, you know, through 12 games last year, Wentz had 29 touchdowns, six interceptions as he headed into that week 14 matchup against the Rams. And before he got hurt, he drew another four touchdowns. So he finished the season with 33. He had a quarterback rating that was well over 100. It was on pace to throw for 4,000 yards. And then everything turned for the worse on a touchdown run that was called back by penalty. He managed to stay in on that drive, you know, finish that drive, throw a touchdown pass, a fourth down to Alshon Jeffrey, but did not return. You know, we've seen Wentz this preseason so far. He's been a participant, a partial participant throughout training camp. He's taken part in individual drills and seven-on-sevens, but really only been an observer for full-team drills. So he's waiting to get cleared to get full contact and get ready to go in the preseason. We probably won't see him in any preseason action, but at the time of this, right now, he's still on target to start week one. So, really, let's talk about the offseason. You know, if Nick Foles is out there doing, taking care of the sights and sounds and everything that comes with being the Super Bowl MVP, and that was well-deserved by Foles. I mean, that was a fantastic performance he put out through the playoffs and in that Super Bowl and that victory against the New England Patriots, giving the Eagles that Super Bowl title. But, you know, we've seen how competitive Carson Wentz is on that field, and we know that he wants to get back to the form that he was at last year. You know, he had a nice rookie season. But then he really took a step forward last year in that sophomore year and really became one of the elite quarterbacks in this league. And you know he wants to keep doing it. You know, According to NBC Sports in Philly, Wentz had made the trip from his South Jersey home to the Novacare Complex in Philly there over 100 times during the offseason to get himself ready to go, You know, pushing through drills to get the strength, mobility back, get the agility and the endurance up. And he's really trying to, you know, be motivated to get back on that field. He's waiting for the doctors to clear him. You can tell he's chopping up the bit and ready to go. Still taking part in those seven on sevens and the individual drills. You know, according to NBC Sports Philly, Ruben Frank, he looks comfortable and fluid. He's thrown some really solid passes, dropping in passes into guys like Mike Wallace and Nelson Aguilar. You know, even a couple times we've seen sprinting down the field, you know, on those hot days. So it's good to see the knee moving, the legs moving well. He's ahead of schedule. Just waiting to be cleared for full team and contact drills and still on pace to start that game uh, Thursday night, September 6th against the Falcons in the season opener. You know, what can you expect from Carson Wentz? You know, a lot of people have this idea that, you know, you come back from these injuries and it's really tough to rebound and get back on the same level. You know, and you see that a lot, especially in baseball. You know, pitchers that go to that Tommy John surgery and sometimes they just don't come back as strong as they were previous. I think one of those big examples for your baseball fans is Matt Harvey of the Mets, you know, before the injuries, that thoracic outlet syndrome, the Tommy John that he had. This guy was on his way to a $100 million contract. He was striking out the world. He owned the city in New York. And then it just kind of you know, came crashing down with the injuries. Just never was able to regain that form. And it was ultimately shipped out from the Mets to Cincinnati for a backup uh, broken-down catcher, really, and a guy who also had high promise but just never really got things going himself. And I think a lot of people, you know, you see these injuries, you get afraid. I mean, we see it with Deshaun Watson. He had the ACL injury. We see it with Wentz. But I'm here to kind of reassure you that it, just because you have a significant injury like that doesn't necessarily mean that the season's going to be troublesome for you. So let's just look at a couple of guys in the past 12, 13 years that have had injuries very similar, if not the same as Wentz. Let's start Carson Palmer. You know, remember that 2006 uh, playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kimo Van Alhoffen came in low, got him in the knee, suffered the ACL, MCL injury. You know, that season that he had before the injury, his numbers were great. He had 3,360 yards, a completion percentage of 67.8, 32 touchdowns, 12 picks, and a 101.1 quarterback rating. So let's look at the season post-injury. He comes back, 
after that playoff game for the 2006 season. Completion percentage 62.3, slightly down. Yardage 4,351, that's up by nearly 1,000. 28 touchdowns right around par, 13 picks, and a quarterback rating of 93.9. So that was, you know, post-injury, the season was pretty similar. His yardage numbers went up, touchdowns right around the same, and his pick stays right around the same. So he really didn't take any type of significant drop-off, so it was a great sign. Let's go to Phillip Rivers. Tears his ACL, grade 3 tear in that pl- in playoff game January 2018. That season, that regular season beforehand, 60.2 on the completion percentage. 3,152 yards. He had 21 touchdowns, 15 picks, with an 82.4 quarterback rating. That's an average season, folks. I mean, it's not, you know, an elite season. It's an average season. But again, Philip Rivers, we know how consistent he's been over the years. Let's go to the season after the injury. He comes back from the from the ACL tear. And listen to this: 2008 completion percentage, 65.3, up five points. Yardage, 4,009, up nearly 900. His touchdowns went from 21 to 34. His interceptions down from 15 to 11. And a quarterback rating of 105.5. That was an unbelievable bounce back season from Philip Rivers after the nasty knee injury that he suffered. So again, something to look forward to if you're an Eagles fan, a Carson Wentz owner. These guys are able to come back and produce. Tom Brady, let's throw him out there. I know these numbers are going to be a little bit off because of the monster year he had, but he suffers that grade D- three ACL tear in week one of the 2018 season, so he ultimately misses the whole season. So I'm going to go back a year pre-injury on Brady just because he didn't play the year he got hurt. That's the undefeated season of 2007. So this may seem like the numbers are a big drop-off, but remember, that was just an all-time season. 68.9% on the completion percentage. 4,806 yards. He threw for 50 touchdowns, 8 picks, at a quarterback rating of 117.2. Grade 3 ACL tear week 1, 2008. Let's jump to 2009. Completion percentage, 65.7, right on par. Yardage, 4,398, so right there again. Touchdowns, they take a significant drop. All right, from 50 to 28. You can't expect guys to throw 50 touchdowns every year. So, again, the year Brady had in 2007 was off the charts that undefeated season. His interceptions, 13, still low, and a quarterback rating of 96.2. So, again, the injury not really a major factor in Tom Brady's success in returning from it. And then finally, we'll go to Joe Flacco. Not necessarily that Joe Flacco put up elite numbers, but he puts up consistent numbers, at least from the injury to post-injury, pre-injury and post-injury. Suffers a torn ACL in Week 11 against the Rams in 2015. Through 10 games of that season, he had a completion percentage of 64.4. He threw for 2,791 yards, 14 touchdowns, 12 picks, at an 83.1 quarterback rating. Go back to the next season, return season, post-injury season. Completion percentage, 64.9. Identical. Yardage, 43-17, so 4,317. If you prorate his previous injury season, right on par. Touchdowns, 20. Picks, 15. Quarterback rating, 83.5. So again, really, what are we talking about here? The underlining theme here is that most of these quarterbacks that suffer significant injuries are able to come back and return to form, if not maybe even improve a little bit. Obviously, this isn't going to happen for everybody, but a guy like Carson Wentz, we've seen he's got the talent, he's got the physical makeup, he's got the the fortitude to come back and be an effective quarterback in this league. I expect Carson Wentz to come back and be just fine. Maybe not necessarily going to be MVP-like. I mean, that was a great season he had last year. But again, I'm going to predict Carson Wentz to be at about 61.6 on the completion percentage, give him about 3,900 yards, 35 TDs, 16 picks, and put his quarterback rating right around 94. So Eagle fans, look forward to your guy coming back healthy, coming back strong, 
and you got to draft him. If you're a fan of, of, of Carson Wentz and you like his ability and you like him as a quarterback, he's someone you want to target. Don't be scared off the injury. He's a quarterback six right now in PPR leagues going about the fifth round. If you sit back and wait a little bit on the big guys and you're targeting Wentz, go ahead, grab him. I think he's just going to be fine as we get ready to transition into quarter number four. All right, and we're back for the fourth quarter of the podcast here. Let's take a look at some guys tonight in these preseason games that made a little bit of an impression. I know it's only week one, but there are certain guys out there that you're targeting, that you're looking for, that you want to see what they can do early on here in these games, if they can make an impression for you, whether they be rookies, second-year guys, and so forth. So we'll start out, you know, let's go to Cincinnati. How about Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon, three carries, nine yards. He did come up with a catch, one catch for 24 yards and a touchdown. So as they transitioned from Jeremy Hill to Cincinnati, look at a guy like Joe Mixon, got limited touches, but he was able to get in the end zone, got a couple carries, caught a pass for 24 yards, looked pretty solid in doing it. So that's somebody that, you know, it's a, it's a step step in the right direction for Joe Mixon. It's definitely progress there. And even his quarterback threw two touchdowns, Andy Dalton, who some people may be looking at as a late-round flyer there. We go to a couple other games. We go to Tampa Bay. Ronald Jones got a little action. He did get a touchdown. Uh, only carried the ball eight times, but only nine yards. So you're a little bit worried there about the you're a little bit worried about the yardage there. Eight carries, nine yards, but it's early. Did get in the end zone, so he gets his feet wet there. Peyton Barber, his buddy, scored a touchdown as well. So he got in there. Kalen Balaj looked pretty good. Young rookie, ten carries, thirty-seven yards for the Dolphins. Definitely someone to pay attention to. And he had three catches for twenty-three yards as well. So he may be a bit of an impact player uh, with um, the Dolphins there. Maybe get take a little bit of action away from a Kenyon Drake. Take a look at a couple of others here. We'll go to Baltimore. Lamar Jackson. What did he do tonight? Get Lamar Jackson out there. He gets seven catch, seven uh, completions on eighteen attempts. 119 yards, he was sacked twice, uh, five carries for 21 yards at a touchdown. Lamar Jackson most likely going to be the heir apparent to Joe Flacco in Baltimore, so someone you're targeting maybe in your dynasty leagues. Alex Collins gave you two carries for 26 yards. Really, what you're looking at there, Hayden Hurst, one catch for 12 yards, so not a lot going on there. We go to a couple other games here. We'll take a look at Tennessee, the Titans. Derrick Henry, three carries for 11 yards. Mariota threw a touchdown pass, so he looked pretty healthy in his limited action. Tajay Sharp coming back from a big-time injury. He uh, had a, had a, uh, pe- a reception for 20 yards, so he may be a sleeper if healthy. He was he, A couple of years ago, had some significant action for the Titans. Go to the Green Bay side, backup quarterbacks playing there. Uh, Jamal Williams had a touchdown on five carries. Interesting rookie here to look at, Marquise Valdez-Scantling. There's been some talk about him being an interesting piece, a useful piece for the Packers. Five catches for 86 yards, uh, four catches for 86 yards on five targets for Scantling. So someone you want to look for, maybe he fights for that number three spot, you know, alongside Cobb and Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams had two catches for 57 yards. Aquamonius St. Brown, another one of those young rookies. He's had three catches for 33 yards so far throughout the game. So the Packers, you know, sending a couple guys out there as well. Let's go to Dallas and see what's going on there. We got a Rod Smith, uh, 29-yard run, Dak Prescott hooking up with rookie Michael Gallup for a 30-yard touchdown. So the rookie gets his first crack and gets a touchdown from Dak Prescott. So maybe there's some good things brewing there. So, you know, these are just things you're going to look for. You just preseason. We know what it's all about. Just kind of see what's going on, who's going to make some plays, you know, who, who maybe takes a step forward, what rookies are targeted, you know, that you're targeting, maybe get involved early on and, you know, make a significant impact. Uh, guys in Marlon Marla Mack for the Colts, 23 uh, yards receiving early on in this game. A couple of rushing yards as well. 
So, again, that's what the preseason's for. Kind of just separate some guys, have some guys step up, stand out a little bit, kind of target who, you know, see what guys that you're targeting are going to do. So, that's where we're at now. Week one of the preseason's in full swing. A ton of games going on here. Uh, my Pittsburgh Steelers with a preseason win. They usually lose every preseason game, usually 0-4-0-5 most of the year. So, they beat up on the Eagles in preseason. It's irrelevant. It means nothing. Baker Mayfield looked pretty good for the Browns. He got a, over 100 yards passing as they beat the Giants. Uh, a couple other guys got some action as well. So follow these guys, see what's going on with them, and we'll take it from there. So, again, remember, Scotty Burke ran solo with you here tonight. You can follow the pod at PUT Blitz. Follow me at SCOT557, my partner at Randall Rant. The website's RandallRant.com. We'll get our rankings up there very soon for everybody to take a look at. Uh, my buddy partner is doing some good work with Rotoviz on those team previews. They got, you know, Marcus Mosher he talked about, did the whole AFC North. So follow him, look at those previews, get yourself ready to go. I got the articles going for last word on pro football, as well as the score cross sports. You can follow us there. So again, next episode, we'll be back together again, full swing, getting ready to recap what we saw in the preseason here. Take a look at some things that are going ahead in week two in preseason. Who, who's going to make some more of an impact? What guys are we looking for? So, Looking forward to it. Fantasy football season is underway. Football season is underway. Drafts are ready to go. Let's get it going, folks. We'll talk to you next time on the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast.